0: Welcome to the latest edition of the Postcast, a production of the Cast for Star Tribune and Pokes Authority. I am Davis Potter, Wyoming Beat Writer for the Star Tribune. I hope this week has treated all of you well. Uh, we'll talk about a little bit everything on this episode. Uh, we'll get into football, and more specifically, uh, Wyoming's football schedule for the upcoming season, was officially announced by the school on Thursday. We'll get into that a little bit. Uh, Then we'll talk some NFL Combine. Obviously, uh, a lot of eyes will be on uh, former Wyoming linebacker and Casper native Logan Wilson as he enters the uh, home stretch of the Combine there. He and the rest of the linebackers will do their on-field workouts on Saturday. Uh, So we'll get into that a little bit. And then in the second segment... Uh, I will talk to Mark Weston Huff, a former Wyoming player who now plays in the XFL. Uh, He is one of four former Wyoming players playing the XFL, and one of two who have also played in the NFL previously, and the other being Tanner Gentry, the former great receiver with the Cowboys, who also played with the Bears and was drafted by the New York Guardians in the XFL, but has been hurt for most of the season, but he just came off injured reserve, and I think he will uh, start playing with uh, the Guardians here soon. But, uh, you yeah, know, we'll talk to uh, Mark Weston about – um you know the the experience of playing in the in the new xFL and just what some of the differences are between the xFL and the NFL and just what the experience has been like so far, so stay tuned for that uh but first we're going to talk some hoops because believe it or not, the regular season is about over uh it is over on the women's side, and then Wyoming men have their regular season finale on Saturday at Fresno State. Uh, that game is set for a five o'clock Mountain Time tip, and you know at this point the men's season it it is what it is. Uh, it's been much of the same, obviously. Uh, this last week they act, they did go to Air Force last weekend and and, and get a win, um, and then midweek this week they came back home and lost seventy three sixty eight to Nevada in their home finale. And finished the season winless against Mountain West teams at home. Um, I checked and, and even asked some of the Wyoming's media relations people about the if they knew the last time they, that had happened. And they had no idea. So, <laughs> I, I think it's safe to assume it, it has been a while since that's happened. Um, you know, this is a, a team, again, that, um, you know, it, it, it is what it is. And... Um, you know, but it keep, I keep referring back to the comments that Tom Berman, Wyoming's athletic director, made after last season about how this uh, season, this year, it needed to be drastically better in terms of the win and loss record. And yet we're sitting here about to enter the Mountain West tournament. And if Wyoming drops its game on Saturday at Fresno, it will finish dead last in the league for the first time since joining the Mountain West in 1999. Um if they don't win on Saturday and then win again in their first game in the Mountain West tournament, they'll finish with less league wins, or I shouldn't say less league wins, but less wins against teams in the Mountain West because they don't count tournament games as part of the as part of your league wins or the or their standings. So either way, Wyoming won four league games last year. If they don't win two in a row here, um, they will finish with half of the number of league wins that they did last year and if they don't win another game all season they'll finish with less wins than they did all of last year overall which obviously isn't good because last year they won eight this year they're sitting on seven so obviously you know play out the rest of this year and see what the decision is from Tom Berman I mean that that's really the the only storyline left to this season um is to see what direction um, Tom decides to take this men's basketball program. If he decides to bring um, Allen Edwards back for a fifth year, or if he decides to make a change, and I have, I have said on this podcast and, and written about the fact that there are signs that tend to point to uh, the latter. And frankly, this program in the last two years has lost any momentum that it that it created in Allen's first two years, where they won or they had back to back twenty win seasons. Now they've got back-to-back 20 loss seasons, and uh, the last time that happened, Tom Berman made a coaching change. So, um, you know, I, I, I tend to think that, again, th- th- they're going to make a change at that position and, and Allen won't be back next season, but, you know, that's obviously the the storyline to follow as we entered the home stretch here of the season. Um, but Wyoming actually does have a chance, as bad as it's been, if they can win, uh, I guess Fresno on Saturday and have San Jose state lose to UNLV. They would actually, them and San Jose state would tie for last place. And Wyoming would actually be the 10 seed because they have the head to head tiebreaker over San Jose state with their win over them in the regular season. So, um, as far as the women, uh, what more positive outlook, uh, Wyoming's women's team finished its regular season by beating the Mount West regular season champion Fresno state at home on Thursday night. And they enter the Mount West tournament as one of the hottest teams in the league. Uh, they won five in a row. And the only other team that comes close to that is, is Boise state who also has a five game winning streak going into the tournament. And um, look, I mean, I think you gotta, you gotta like Wyoming's chances to win the women's tournament as much as anybody, because I would tend to think that Fresno State, uh, who only lost two conference games all year, one of those being to Wyoming on Thursday, and then Boise State, who has been the gold standard in the league the last few years, has won the last three Mountain West tournament championships. Uh, I would probably think those are the two favorites heading into it, but I think anybody almost could win this thing. I wouldn't count Wyoming out, uh, San Jose State, who, uh, who will be the four seed in the tournament. Uh, and actually finished with with the same record as Wyoming in league play during the regular season, but Wyoming got the tiebreaker with their head-to-head win uh, during this year. Wyoming is vying to make its first NCAA tournament appearance since 2008, and the only way that's going to do that is if they cut down the nets in the Thomas and Mack Center in Las Vegas by winning the tournament, but they have the first round by... Um, they, they open Mountain West tournament play, uh, against either San, San Diego state or UNLV on Monday. Um, UNLV and San Diego state will play on Sunday. So they need three wins in three days to do it. And, uh, again, I mean, they've won five in a row. They come into this thing as hot as anybody. And, uh, I I wouldn't count them out because I don't, I don't think there's a dominant team while, while Fresno and Boise, you could argue might be the the favorites going into this thing. There's not a dominant team like a San Diego state on the men's side. Um, so, just obviously, that's that's something to keep an eye on this coming week. See what Wyoming, if Wyoming's women's team can uh, do some damage in Vegas. But uh, let's switch gears on that and uh, talk a little football. Uh, Wyoming released, or officially released, its 2020 schedule on Thursday. Uh, we already knew the non conference opponents and really the dates on those. They'll open this season against Weber State on September 5th. Um, They'll also play host to Utah in the non-conference, and, and they'll also travel to Louisiana and Ball State in the non-conference schedule. Um, but as far as the, the conference schedule goes, and really the whole schedule and all, I, I've, I've been saying this for a long time. I just I like the way this thing is set up for Wyoming, particularly uh, with, with as much experience that they have coming back and as many contributors um, that they're really going to expect to – sort of take that next step forward next year. I mean, this is one of the best schedules I would think that Wyoming football has ever had. When you when you can take into consideration where the games against certain opponents are being played, and then the fact that their bye week comes right between their non-conference schedule and the start of their conference schedule. Um, now, you, Craig Bowl might argue that he'd like to have that thing uh, a little later in the season, maybe going down the home stretch, Um, Wyoming doesn't have two bye weeks like it did last year because the season is essentially starting a week later. Uh, and Wyoming's not playing week zero, so they don't they only have one bye week instead of two this coming season. But you know, I I think if somebody had gone to Craig Bull and said, Hey, Craig, you're gonna play Boise State, Utah State, Air Force, San Diego State, and Utah, your only power five opponent next season, all at home, and you're gonna get a bye week. Uh, right before you start conference play, I think you would sign up for that in a heartbeat, particularly the way that their schedule set up last year. If you'll remember, I mean, they they sort of eased eased into it at the beginning, uh, minus the Missouri game. But, you know, that November schedule was a bear where they finished with uh, three of their last four games on the road against Boise, Air Force, and Utah State. But uh, this year it's a little bit different. There's only one stretch in this schedule where they have to play back-to-back games on the road, and even that is separated by the bye week because they finish their non-conference schedule on the road at Ball State in late September, then they get a week off, and then they open conference play at UNLV. And another thing to keep in mind, too, about um, Wyoming's schedule in terms of its road games, three of the road games that they have next year come against teams that all are starting over with first-year coaches. Marcus Arroyo, the former Wyoming assistant, taking over at UNLV. Danny Gonzalez takes over for Bob Davey there at New Mexico. And then, of course, Steve Adazio, the former Boston College and Temple coach taking over at Colorado State. So you got three programs there that are essentially hitting the reset button It will almost certainly finish at or near the bottom of their division standings next season. Uh, let me go ahead and read off the schedule just in chronological order. Uh, I mentioned uh, Wyoming will open at home on September 5th against Weber State. Then they'll travel to Louisiana on September 12th. We're coming back home against Utah on September 19th. And They'll finish out the non-conference schedule at Ball State on September 26th. Then they got the bye week, as I mentioned. Before they open, Mount West play at UNLV on October 10th. Then they'll come back home to Memorial Stadium for back-to-back games against San Diego State on October 17th and Air Force on October 24th. They'll finish October with a Halloween matchup against Colorado State in Fort Collins. Then in November, it is Utah State at home on the 7th. At Nevada on the 14th, Boise State at home on the 21st. And then finishing the regular season at New Mexico on November 28th. Um, You know, this on paper now this is you got six teams or six opponents, I should say, of Wyoming's that are coming off ten win seasons last year. So it's a formidable schedule on paper. There's no doubt. But when you look at it, and again, where they're playing some of these teams at, five of those games are going to be played at War Memorial Stadium including the three against Mountain West teams that finished with 10 wins last season in Boise State, San Diego State, and Air Force. Um, if you had to make me pick a month that looks like it's going to be the toughest for Wyoming, I would say October just because you have to start Mountain West play um, on the road and then come back for two games at home against San Diego State and Air Force, who should I, I think are still probably going to be pretty good despite some losses. Then you have to always, obviously, end the month um, at Colorado State, which can always be a tricky deal in a rivalry games. So you just never know. But, I mean, I, I would not be surprised. I almost expect Wyoming, again, if this team is able to stay healthy all season, uh, I would expect that November 21st home game against Boise State to be one of the bigger games, uh, in conference play at least, in, in Wyoming's recent history. I mean, I think they will – Still being contention at that point. and And really, the reason I feel like that is the reason I've talked about this, uh, even in the open, and I've talked about a lot, is just how much experience this team has coming back. Um, again, all five offensive linemen back. You got your quarterback back, running back back. Um, the biggest um, holes you have to fill, obviously, are going to be on the defensive side of the ball at linebacker with Logan Wilson and Cash Malawiya leaving. Uh, you're losing an all Mount West safety, Elijah Halliburton, as well as a really versatile corner in Tyler Hall. Um but I mean th- this team has nearly seventy three percent of its two deep from last season returning. Um a lot of experience. This was a young team last year, and I mean you just can't ask for a better setup, you know, if you're if you're Wyoming. Um and then again looking at that the November part of their schedule I mentioned, you know, last year finishing with three or four on the road, uh they go home away, home away. And obviously finishing the season with New Mexico um, you know, you, if Wyoming's having tr- going to New Mexico and having trouble winning that game at the end of the year, then something went terribly wrong, and they're probably not even in the race, um, to begin with. So, I, I think about as advantageous as, as a schedule, again, when you consider where some of these games against some of these teams are being played, and then the bye week right before you open conference play to sort of work out any kinks and give you some extra time, um, to. to, to you know, get prepared coming out of the, the non-conference. Um, I mean, I think that's, that's about as good as you could hope for uh, if you're Wyoming. Sticking with football, we will uh, transition into the combine. And um, Logan Wilson, um, he will take his turn doing on-field workouts on Saturday. All of the on-field workouts, by the way, are being uh, televised on the NFL Network um, from 2 to 9 p.m. Mountain Time. Um, and then on Sunday, they'll it'll be televised from noon to 5 p.m. Mountain Time. But that that's defensive backs. But uh, the linebackers and defensive linemen both doing their on-field workouts on Saturday. And look, Logan's draft stock. If if anybody's been paying attention recently, it's slowly continuing to climb. Uh, we mentioned. Uh, I talked to you know Mel Kiper Jr. recently. Um, yeah, he had a third round grade on um, Logan Wilson and. And said he wouldn't be surprised if if he slips into the second round before it's all over. And a lot of this stuff in the company, yes, the the, the on field workouts are important, but a lot of these weeks for these pros, this week for these prospects, is being spent interviewing with teams, doing media interviews, obviously getting their physical measurements done. You know that, that that's that's really where they're trying to win over some of these teams. Yes, the 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 on field stuff. If you can put up big numbers and you're testing, that's obviously going to turn heads. It does every year. You see NFL personnel every year and teams, you know, draft players just because they, they ran one of the fastest 40 times or they had one of the, the quickest agility times in the three cone or they jumped really high. You know, and personally, I think some of that stuff's overrated. I'm not an NFL scout or, or personnel guy and never will be. But um, I, I just think with Logan specifically, here's a guy who – conducts himself right, don't have to worry about any character stuff with him. A three-time captain at Wyoming has never uh, had a hint of off-field trouble. So you don't, you don't have to worry about the red flags when it comes to character with him. Um, and then obviously the, 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 the on-field talent and his athleticism and his speed, which uh, I talked to Eric Donneville, uh Wyoming's now head strength coach, uh, recently, I'm not going to give all the quotes away here because I did a story. You can, If you guys want to check it out, you can go to treb.com and pokesauthority.com for that. Um, but he, Eric believes that uh, L- Logan won't have any problem alleviating teams' concerns when it comes to his speed. Some interesting comments from him in, in, in that story as well from when I talked to him. Um, but when you take into account that, the fact that he's a complete player, uh, I think you could argue he's in the running Maybe for the most complete linebacker in this year's class. Uh, You talk about tackling. uh, You talk about instincts. uh, You talk about mobility. And then you talk about coverage. Again, this is uh, Logan being a former defensive back um, at Natrona County High School when he played there. um, He's got natural coverage ability. Uh, You know, finished his career with 10 interceptions. uh, Led all FBS linebackers this past season with four um he won't have to come off the field on third down. He's a three-down linebacker. So you when you combine all of that and then the 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 off field the intangibles, the smarts again, the 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 fact that he has really has no character concerns. I think there's going to be some team out there that just falls in love with him. And you know, when it comes to the NFL draft, it only takes one team. And I think Logan is going to do that. I think he's that type of kid. I think he's going to blow some team away just with his interview skills, with his persona, with teams that really get to know him at the combine. Um, Having said all of that, I do think that his, his 40 yard dash time, um, you know, everybody's been talking about it. Um, Even Eric uh, agreed that, you know, Logan is going to have to go out there and kind of validate what teams see on film. Um, You know, that I think ultimately, if he can run somewhere in the high four fives, low five, four sixes, I think that's what would elevate him to maybe a second round pick. Um, you know, we'll see. I mean, look, these teams evaluate prospects so differently. You know, one team that might have a player as a as a as a top three linebacker on their board, another team may not even have in their top ten. I mean, who, who knows? You know how these teams evaluate these guys and see them going into the combine. Um, but obviously, if you know when you put all the produ- production that Logan's had in his four years, uh, and then add that to his speed, if he's able to go there and run those times and validate um, just how fast he looks on in games and on tape, I do think you could see Logan elevate his stock to to, to a place where some team might take a chance on him late in the second round. Because as I mentioned, I, I think there's going to be some team out there that probably falls in love with him and loves everything about him both on and off the field, but might say, Hey, you know, we love this. We just want to see how he runs. And so that, 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 that's going to, that's going to be the telltale sign. I mean, the 40 yard dash, you can, you can argue about how important that really is in the grand scheme of things. Um, But you know, these NFL scouts, personnel, gyms, they get paid a lot of money um, to then turn around and invest a lot of money in some of these prospects, they do their dil- due diligence, and uh, it's important to them. So uh, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see what what ends up happening there. Um, I'm in the process of trying to, uh, to 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 talk to Logan once his on-field workouts are done on Saturday. Um, so hopefully, I'll be able to uh, do that and talk to him about you know how he felt like he performed again. Uh, linebackers and defensive linemen both go on saturday in terms of their on-field workouts they'll be televised on nfl network beginning at two o'clock mountain time we can take a break there and then when we come back i will talk to former Wyoming defensive back and current xfl player marquesson huff Welcome back into the postcast, and now we're going to dive into my conversation with Mark Weston Huff, a former Wyoming defensive back who is now playing in the XFL. Uh, Huff played for Wyoming from 2010 to 2013, uh, was an all-Mountain West second-teamer his senior season, and then was taken in the fourth round of the 2014 NFL Draft by the Tennessee Titans, Uh, played a few years with the Titans and bounced around the league some, and then was taken in the fourth round by the Houston Roughnecks in the XFL Draft, and is Now, obviously, going through his first season, the new XFL. Uh, One quick note before we get into this interview. You're going to hear some background noise a little bit when uh, Mark Weston speaks. I really couldn't prevent that with some more uh, equipment. Uh, It's not the best equipment to use. Um, when recording a phone interview, uh, but uh, we made it work, and you, you know you 'll be able to hear everything he says uh, but i just didn 't want anybody to hear this and think there was something wrong with the audio because there is a little bit of a difference that you 'll be able to clearly. Tell when uh, when I speak and when Mark speaks speaks. Um, I'm going to let this interview with Mark finish out the podcast, but uh be sure to check out Trib.com and PokesAuthority.com for all of our Wyoming sports coverage. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at PokesAuthority. You can follow me on Twitter at Davis E Potter. Uh, this podcast is on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and Omni. So be sure to sc- subscribe to it, download it, share it, and give us that five star rating. I uh, appreciate all of you, as always, for listening, and uh, we'll talk again next week. So without further ado, here is former Wyoming safety and XFL player Mark Weston-Huff. I mean, I know it would be probably easy to uh, just ask you about how the season's gone. I guess and you are you guys are now a month into this almost in the XFL, but um, did you have any expectations going into the season uh, about what, it, what the XFL would be like, and I guess has it Has it met or or matched what you thought it might be like? Uh, For me, I feel like it's been similar to what my thoughts about it was going to be. I I felt like it would be a step, you know, a step up in college football, but maybe just a step
1: in NFL, and it's kind of played out to be what I imagine it would be. But for me, I feel like overall just the experience, just playing a game of football is really amazing, and um. You know, has done a great job, you know,
0: with what he's trying to do. And so far, so good. Yeah. Um, so tell me, I guess, how you how you landed in the XFL and, and kind of what what were your thoughts when you first heard it was it was coming back and forming again? And uh, I guess how you ended up getting drafted and landing in Houston? Um, I was out of football, so
1: I was working out, uh, keeping myself in shape, you know, being a father and a husband. For me, and I feel like that time you know, I'm growing the up there. And, um, you know, one day um, my agent, he texted me and said, You're going to make this thing for me. You know, I think it'll be good for you. I was like, You know, if I got.
0: Was there any hesitation on your part? Because I know, you know, when, when Vince McMahon started the XFL a long time ago and it sort of bottomed out, um, was there any hesitation when you heard about this as to as to joining it or trying to play in it, not knowing maybe it might, if it'll last or not? It was love for me at you all. Know,
1: just uh, it was an opportunity to play the game of football, if it lasts, if it did it, it. it gave me the opportunity to play. The
0: So was it like I, I know, like when you're when you're drafting the NFL, I know that's a big moment for for a lot of guys, and it, there's anxiousness and nervousness waiting to get your name called. Did you have any of that same? Anxiousness hoping to get drafted in the XFL or waiting for a call. Um, to be honest not not really, and I think it could be because
1: of the fact that I've been through that experience and for me it's like I knew when I got drafted to the there was nothing I could have done besides perform to hear my name call. I couldn't call another one and say, Hey call, make this happen. Like I had no control, and I feel like the only thing I already understood that, you know, when you get drafted in the NFL, that's like the first time for a lot of people that you ever go through that experience in life, you know? And I was able to do that twice, and
0: I feel like just going through and experiencing that I already understood how to control the situation. So you were drafted by, by Tennessee a few years back, coming out of Wyoming, and then I know you bounced around some and, and were cut by the Cowboys last year. Did, uh, did you have any conversations with any NFL teams after that happened? And, and what did you do last year when you weren't playing uh, football? Uh, last year when I wasn't playing, I was, I was still working.
1: out. You know, being a father, being a husband, that's what I feel uh, the beginning. Of that's what you know, that's, that, those things are more important than football to me. You know, they're more important than anything life. being a father. and Being a great uh, husband, I feel like the time around, we grew up the most in those areas, which was amazing. But as far as the NFL, you know, I was just working out, and I was really—I uh, was trying to learn as much as I, I could about athleticism and the uh, game of football because coaching is something that I believe that I truly have a passion for. You know, like I played the game of football my whole entire life. I've like, been around great coaches, Hall of Fame coaches. I've been around Hall of Fame players. Like, I, I picked up, things. I paid attention to the small details of things uh, throughout my career, and I felt like having that—that experience. Is just the raw passion that I have for the game of football, and also teaching, you know, others the game of football. I feel like coaching would be a great transition for me, and that's something that I really you know, just Thought about it a lot when, uh, during my off time for of football, and also I, was, uh, I graduated from the University of Wyoming, which
0: was a great accomplishment. So I'm just curious about an, an, an XFL locker room. Is there a is, are there are there a bunch of guys that have a lot of chips on their shoulders? I mean, is that a different dynamic when you have guys that are, you know, either trying to get to the NFL or or have been there or trying to get back? I mean, is that is that something that that you've sort of noticed or, or felt being in an XFL locker room with all those guys? You, you get a
1: lot of people and a lot of guys that are just hungry. You know, like whether it's a kicker or punter. they play so we have something to prove. You know, a lot of guys
0: How have you felt you've performed this
1: season individually? I mean, I feel like I've been. Good. Um, I feel a little bit. I haven't had options to keep my hands up. football far, you know, I've definitely been But as far as it been, good, I feel like I've been doing great. I like my team is doing great. I wish you would be better.
0: So what, what is just the biggest difference from what you've experienced? I know it's a small sample size so far, but. What was the biggest difference in playing in the NFL versus the XFL?
1: Now, yeah, paychecks for one, but uh, the the media experience in the XFL, I know a lot of athletes. The cameras are always in your face, you know. In the NFL, they're not going to be always in your face like that. They're not going to like. In it, but the XFL, it's a possibility that the camera be right in your huddle. Like, right?
0: the Do you like that? I mean, as a as a as a player, do I mean, because I've seen where you know ESPN televises and ABC televises a lot of these games, and they'll have a quarterback come off the sideline as soon as he gets to the sideline, there'll be a reporter asking him a question. Do do you like that or or not? I wouldn't like it. for I feel like pros,
1: you know, are pros. I feel like they can, you know, control the situation and be able to still focus on the game of football. Um, I feel like sometimes, you know, if it's a real hit-of-the-moment heat heat of game, you know, you made a bad player, made a mistake, I believe that the reporters should give you time to, you know, gather yourself and then speak to them. But uh, I really don't have any
0: problems with it. Have you Have you been interviewed at all coming off the sideline yet? Uh, so in the XFL, um, I mean, are you guys on a contract, or can you talk to uh, to NFL teams during the XFL season, or, or how does that work? Oh
1: yeah, I'm, uh, I'm not sure if you can talk to NFL teams uh, while you're playing the game, but you're you're open to sign after the season with any NFL team that offers you a contract. So they work hand in hand with the NFL as far as you know scouting. Talented and getting
0: them back into the pros or have the opportunity to play into the pros. Well, I shouldn't take pros into the NFL. But, I mean, XFL players don't sign contracts. You Do you just guys just play game to game pretty much? Well,
1: no. He, he, we all sign contracts. You sign a contract to play this year, but if someone wants to, say, for example, our quarterback is doing great right now. Steve, TJ, uh, doing really good at the end of the season. The Tennessee Titans called me and say, "Hey, PJ, you want to come out team and play quarterback?" He, they have the right to
0: do that; like, He can do that. So for for you, is this it, it, is this sort of a gateway for you back to the NFL? Do you want to uh, do you want to play in the NFL again? Uh, I'm mean, to playing in the NFL again. Like the NFL, bro, uh, it's a great
1: opportunity. That's the best of the best. Like the NFL, you're back football players anywhere that's better than those
0: guys that are out there. So it's honor getting on there and I love to be out there again. So I'm gonna ask you a, a Wyoming um related question real quick. What is there anything that you learned from your experience at Wyoming that you that you still use today, that you still reflect on today, and do you have any stories that are most memorable to you from your time at Wyoming? I don't want anyone to wrong me to you know
1: get upset with some things, but uh, I'm from Texas. Remember this? I'm from Texas. So the first day it ever really snows and the temperatures just really drop. So literally one day I'm outside, you know, and it's pretty. It's pretty. You know, it's pretty warm. Like you know, it me sometimes like it's, the weather can say 52, but it's it, sun to be out. It be bright and it feels pretty warm. So you know. That's, that's one day I go to sleep. I wake up and it's literally negative like, 32, <laughs> negative. I've seen that. Like when I say I almost cried, like it was, it was just crazy. It's the first time I ever experienced anything like that. And I woke up one morning and it was, it was nice. And one day, I woke up the next morning, it was snow everywhere. Like it, it kind of freaked me out because I never experienced some things like that. But the first thing that I learned from all like uh, a <laughs> like, for me, like. It's a big culture shock. Like I'm, I'm from Texas, you know, it's a lot different. Then I go uh, to Wyoming. And I, I believe in Wyoming. I think the the antelope and deer outweigh the people, or something like. I mean, it's more of them than just people. So it's just, it's a very different environment for so, me. Like when I went out there, and it just it just taught me, you know, to open my eyes and see the world. Oh, you know, I, when I was in in Texas, Texas, I was always just. Locked in on what I always do, I didn't know anything else. You know, when I got to Wyoming, Wyoming it just, you know, it taught me a lot of different things and patients. and you know, just seeing the world for, every, for everything that it has to offer. Because been locked on one thing, but I mean, my time in Wyoming is great and blessed, and it's, it's something that you know I'm grateful today. About that, a lot of people ask and I just tell them like, I'm, I'm too grateful to, to, to the state of Wyoming, the city of Laramie, you know, the university. You know, it did a lot for me as a person,
0: it did a lot for me as a man I am now. You know, hopefully in the future, like, I have opportunities to come there and maybe coach or, you know,
1: just be involved in something that has something to do, the University of Wyoming. So, how did, how did you end up at Wyoming? Alex Grinch, Alex Grinch, uh, he's now the defense coordinator for OU Sooners. And when I was going to Wyoming, he was piece of the back coach here from Creed Manitix and then one day I just get a call 307 over I, I think I was maybe at a basketball I've been able to say two years and was, that was great I, I talked to him he gave me a call back created a relationship and two years later he's right on